Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the TJ Bowser Power Hour. This is your host with the motherfucking most. And joining me today is Jeremy Brown. Totally fucked up the intro. <laughs> what's up, gang? Yeah, so how you doing, Jeremy? Doing good. How you doing, brother? Good. Uh, podcast after podcast after podcast. Yeah, keep the grind, man. Got to do something during these times, right? Yeah, it's uh, got to stay busy. You're going to go crazy. Yep. You start uh, slowing down, you get like me, get fat and old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just thought I was able to release a uh, short film, so I guess kind of busy. No, I, luckily we, we shot that in, you know, we were getting ready to uh, prepare for it in January, got in February and was like, okay, time to shoot. <laughs> and we did and we got it done. And so I had, a, you know, a month or two of just editing and playing around and able to pass it back and forth and we got it done and it was fun it was actually fun (laughs) (laughs) it it turned out very well and uh, i think you guys are getting some pretty good feedback from it right yeah we got some good feedback wish more people were watching i mean come on guys 5k views what are we old people (laughs) a rerun of the golden girls come on right new material it's not like you guys have anything to do right now. (laughs) Sit down and watch the film. Uh, You guys can find that on YouTube at uh, just search up all night. (coughs) Corona. Corona. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's uh, get into some of these questions. Uh, What spawned your love for film and what made you want to get into filmmaking? Well, ultimately it was the night of living dead. George Romero was obviously the master of zombies and like, I remember being very affected by it. It wasn't the actual original one that got me into uh, making film. It just, I remember it scared me. It was the remake that Tom Savini did, the 1990s version. And I saw what Savini was able to turn such a classic into something that was even more captivating. And I was like, God, I would love to be able to do that. And um, I started thinking of all these zombie ideas and I wanted to be a zombie filmmaker. And then, I mean, Jason technically is kind of a zombie. But I, I started. Uh, I started out um, with a friend of mine named Kim, and she she asked me if I wanted to help with one of her films. I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. What do you want me to do? And she ended up putting me as a casting uh, director. I went and casted people for a film. They ended up becoming like my best friends in the world that I'm still best friends with today. And um, I I had the bug after that. I'm like, okay, I know I can do that. I put an ad out in the paper. My very first film. Um, it was. I'm sure you've seen it because we've talked a little bit about it. The end, my very first film, I, I found some random people on Craigslist. We all came together and for $500, we made the end. <laughs> That's so cool. So uh, your first short was the end, which uh, was your take on a zombie survivor's vlog. Why was right. that chosen to be your first? Well, I think I clued yeah. you in a little bit, but um I don't know. We had such an amazing actress in Ariel Albright that like I wanted something that was focused on, you know, the because we, at the time, social media was becoming kind of a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, even in the, the direst of situation, here you are in the middle of a fucking zombie apocalypse <laughs> blogging about it. And I thought it was just a unique take on, uh, you know, how things end up. Um, no matter how crazy the world is, people are still going to like make it about, let me get on camera. <laughs> I'll fix yeah. it. So your second short name has its main character forced to make a very hard and complex decision. What influenced that story and what was your experience making that short? Well, um, that story was just, you know, I had a pretty tough thing happen in my my younger life that I don't want to get talking about, I'll get all weepy and we don't need all that. But, um, and I remember just, uh, I thought name would just encapsulate like everything that people have suffered. Like my, my wife's father died of cancer and, you know, there's the decisions you make every day to try to make somebody more comfortable. And sometimes the toughest decisions are the, are the quickest, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> And um, so that story just kind of encapsulates making tough decisions in the face of love, you know? Awesome. Them dope boys, Corey Kaufman says. <laughs> What's up, C-Cough? 
What's up, Peter Anthony? (laughs) Everybody out there in uh, Facebook land watching live. So next one is what was the story for Vengeance? Well, where was the story for Vengeance derived from? And how did your limited budget affect that story during production? Well, the actual story, it it came from just this goofy thing that Dustin and I, we were sitting around, um, we were actually playing Friday the 13th game. And we were just, you know, tossing them back and like, wouldn't it be cool if we made a Friday the 13th movie? And, you know, we didn't realize that, you know, the legal battle and everything was about to like go full force. And they're like, that'd be cool. And I looked up, you know, who was making, who had fan films out there, who was making one. I saw that um, Never Hike Alone was being made. I'm like, all right, so there's another person doing this. I can do this. And um, so I started, uh, I started writing and originally... Angelica was just going to be this uh, this tough Tommy Jarvis bitch that just she goes to a, like um, this meeting where you know these are former victims of Jason Voorhees and they're family members of it and it's a Jason Voorhees support group <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to go out there with this this ragtag group of people and go kick Jason's ass yeah and then we bounced over to Mythos where. People, the idea was that um, Jason was just a myth. He was a mythos. He was yeah. like this uh, ghost story. So whenever you uh, you were ever in Crystal Lake and you were sitting around the fire telling stories about Jason, that would cause him to um, appear. appear and become. And that <laughs> and that's where we came up with that. And then, you know, obviously the fans weren't really into that. So we're like, fans, what do you want? They're like, can you give us all the kills, please? And so like, <laughs> All the kills. <laughs> all right. So we need a good story and we need to kill all the people. So yeah. the Jason and Dustin and I and everybody just got together with Mike Mead, who was another great writer. And we took a few ideas we had from both the original Vengeance um, and then Mythos. And we tried to just put it all together in one thing. And we tried to hit all the fan favorite things that we could find. Like, you know, a lot of people... There were some that we had to take a chance with. Like, you know, some people are going to be like, oh, I hate, I hate the book of the dead. How dare you put that in there? But some people are like, oh, but it makes sense. Jason's a dead eye. You're like, you know what? Not once in vengeance did we ever say that that book, that was the book of the dead. People just assumed it. So, you know, um, could it actually be, it was just a spell book and maybe Elias was just some crazy warlock. I mean, if Jason could get shot to space. Elias the crazy warlock. That Elias right there? Yeah, that Elias. I mean, you know, you have all these other crazy things like Jason flying in space and Jason fighting Freddy and all this other stuff. But the Elias thing with the Book of the Dead was a little too much for people. I mean, (laughs) it's like you can't win. So, um, but ultimately, we settled on a what I feel is a very great story that you know encapsulates what Friday the Thirteenth was to me as a kid. I know everybody's trying to hard edge it these days, but I just wanted it to be a fun story that had fun moments. You had your comedy in Friday the Thirteenth. You had you know your exciting action stuff, and then you had your deadly stuff. And it was just it was a real here you go eighties we're back kind of thing. You know, it's funny that people are complaining about the whole Book of the Dead thing. Oh, I, like, I'm sorry for filling in plot holes. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's all we were trying to do is fill in plot holes. I'm and, sorry that your entire fran- uh, franchise has no continuity at all. So I try to fill that in and then you get backlash. I mean. Well, yeah. <laughs> because people thought it should have went this way. And I can't tell you how many messages I get on the daily. Like. You should have done it this way. I mean, well, then you should do it. Please, for the love of God. We're, we're fans. We went out and made a film. You can do it, too. But uh, you ask about how the budget limited us. It obviously limited us on the kills and the effects. Um, because you got to remember, we've got to cater. We've got to, we had to build that big cabin. We had to do all this other stuff. So by the time we were even getting close to shooting, our budget was low. So it's like, now we got all these kills to plan for. And luckily, we had... We had a great FX man, Chad, and he, he helped us a lot with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, 44 kills in a 
$50,000, well, not even that. It's like 38000 when uh, taxes and everything else is said and done to uh, do 44 kills on a Friday the 13th movie when every single Friday the 13th beforehand <laughs> had a minimum of a million-dollar budget. So, yeah, it was just a lot of amazing volunteers, a lot of people putting their time and efforts. Um, fans made this film. Fans yes. donated their time. Fans gave so much to this. And... Um, and that was the big thing. And I swear to God, I'm going to stab the next person. Ask me about a DVD. <laughs> Victor, he's stabbing you. Uh, <laughs> so you got the opportunity to work with the late great Steve Dash in his Pharaoh role. Can you talk about that experience? What that means to you as a horror fan? Well, I mean, he's the quintessential Jason. Yes. Sackhead, the guy who started it all, the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And and you know this man means business. When, when you get him on the phone with you and he starts looking at your script and he starts tell, talking to you about, you know, well, I don't know about this and I don't like it and you're crazy and I'm going to break your legs. <laughs> and, uh, no, he, he's a very spirited man. You know, he loved he loved the storytelling that we were doing with us. And um, he said we were bringing it back to how it was, how original it felt, how it felt like a Friday the 13th. It's like it's not all this new fancy um, God, what was he? What was it? He said it was not this new fancy, um, Darth Maul looking guys cr cruising around in the dark. It's, I think he was talking about Insidious. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, he really liked that we were bringing it back to the eighties and making it more like you were talking about with Amelia the other day. He really loved that there was more of an art approach to it and uh, sticking exactly. to what um, Friday the 13th was. So, yeah, that's, uh, and then, you know, I got to talk with him on the phone quite a few times. He would ask me, why ain't I on an airplane? I told him, I, I just don't do airplanes. He's like, why are you scared? <laughs> you scared? And I'm like, I hated to say it because it's humiliating, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm scared of flying. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? I can respect that. I'm scared of heights myself. And I'm like, that's crazy coming from a stunt man. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he gave his all to be a part of this. I mean, he gave everything to be a part of this film and we do our best to honor that. And we, we did that with our storytelling. And I think we did it by putting out a great film. I agree 100%. So a lot of various talents from all over the horror world were involved in the production of Vengeance. How did that come to be? Well, I mean, there just all kinds of craziness. I mean, like you go to conventions, you talk to people, you hope for the best. Um, CJ Graham actually became a we, – we had been trying to get Tom Matthews and trying to get Tom Matthews, but he, he was already conflicted with another project. So we're like, okay, this is irritating like, you know what? I'm just going to email CJ Graham, see if he'd be interested. And uh, I emailed him. He's like, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a call. I'm like, here's my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> and um, ironically enough, he gives me a call on Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, wow. And he's like, uh, yeah, send your intent and uh, let's do this thing. I, I think it sounds like fun. And he loved that we were doing Everything that we were making extra on the side uh, was all going to the Shriners Children's Hospital, and he loved that. And, um, you know, a lot of what he did, he donated all his time and what he would have been paid as a wage, and we put that towards the Shriners Children's Hospital. And that's what Steve Dash did as well. He he wanted to do this for the kids. CJ wanted to do it for the kids because, you know what, we're, uh, we're getting the kids ready for horror, the ones that are growing up now in our age. You got to get them ready. And um, if we show them that, you know, the people behind horror aren't the maniacs or the crazy people like, you know, our moms and dads used to tell us that, oh, you don't watch these movies. Satanists make these movies. and all that. <laughs> Show them that we're actually good people behind behind the camera and all that. So, yeah, but, um, you know, just bringing in like all these people was just a lot of luck, you know, talking to the right people running to the right people. I could go on and on and on. And um, it's a very long story. We'll save it for the DVD. Yeah. When so, it comes uh, out, Victor. 
Jeremy Brown looks like the guy who tells you how to start your own microbrewery. He does. And he likes those really sour IPAs that nobody else likes, but for some reason he talks about them all the time. He's one of those guys, you know? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but he'll be back in here shortly. I don't know what the fucking problem is. Everything's fine on my end. I'm receiving all the audio from all the signals just fine. So I will serenade you guys with all my voices. If you guys haven't checked out a Nightmare on Elm Street up all night, head on over to YouTube and watch that shit. It's great. It's only like 20 minutes. That's a hell of a 20 minutes. So maybe uh, I'll use this time to play a little commercial from the show sponsors up in here. Let's do that now. I'll just pop your name up here real quick. And there we go. Okay. So what were some of the more challenging things on vengeance other than uh, things previously mentioned? Um, Some of the challenging things were obviously, you know, getting everybody into like where they're supposed to be. Like um, what I mean by that is getting everybody housing, transporting everybody, getting everybody to set. Um, And with, uh, you know, most of our people being volunteers, getting people to show up to work at all. Because, <laughs> um, you know, there were some that were just like, would show up, wouldn't show up. And I was like, and um, obviously making sure like any of our backers that were coming, we had to make sure they were well taken care of. And that would be distracting from what we were doing. Not that they were a distraction, mind you. I'm just saying um, you just want to make sure your backers are well taken care of. Um, and then I... Um, I think just getting props ready and just being mentally prepared to, you know, you know, go 10 days straight, you know, with day switching in between. So you're going from days to nights to nights to days. And it was a lot of, a lot of hard work. A lot of people put a lot of work into it. Um, yeah. Jason Brooks, I'll tell you, that guy's a machine when it comes to making film. God damn it. You, you, you want him on your you want your him on your uh, team for sure. So yeah. So uh, how do you think Vengeance stands apart from the other Friday the Thirteenth films, and what would you do differently if done again? Well, I think what makes us stand differently is that we're trying to do something that gives some continuity to a film series that has zero continuity, and I think we're the only ones that really tried to do that. Other people are doing their own little off brand story of the, uh, the universe, you know, but we really just tried to tie in elements from like number one, two and three and four. Um, and I thought six was just a perfect way to continue that because bringing back Jason uh-huh. supernaturally, we had to know why he's coming back supernaturally. We finally had to ask those questions. Why does he keep coming back? Well, now we have a reason because his dad and everybody's like, well, you know, what about his mom? Well, I mean, she still haunts his heads. So maybe she still haunts his head. Maybe that's something that Elias planted in his head, you know? And yeah, yes, there is no vengeance without um, Sean Lutzis. We all know that. And I was definitely going to get there. So <laughs> <laughs> Quit jumping the gun, Peter. Quit jumping the gun. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything um, else? Yeah, that, that that should do it, my friend. Uh, that, I think that's what separated us. I think the, um, you know, the, the challenges we rose up and met, and I think we got a really original story out of it. And I think, I think that's what sep- set us apart, but also kind of brought us in, in a little bit. I'm not saying we are canon by any means. I'm simply saying we tried to make sense out of the whole series. And that's, that was the whole point of vengeance was to give fans a way to fill in those holes. Okay. So what were some of the things you learned making vengeance that helped you whenever you started production on up all night? Well, um, (laughs) learning how to manage my time. Mm was a very important one um on vengeance we were a whirlwind and I, I never knew where we were going from one shot to the next because 
it, it was so furious. Um, you can't plan out this kind of stuff. Even if you write out a dedicated shot list and, uh, you know, storyboards and the whole thing, you find it's constantly changing. And when you've got, when you're dealing with things well, like you, you're running with a skeleton crew, you can't do the shots that you had planned for that day because now you have to change that completely. And how do you make, how do you make good out of this scene? So with Up All Night, I made sure that everything was listed, ready to go. I, I stepped in as first AD. I made sure time cards were out. Everybody knew what was going on, what times we were going to do it. I knew what we could get away with, and I knew what we couldn't. So I learned a lot on vengeance on how to handle up all night. And up all night, for the most part, went smooth as butter. Until the last night, of course, when everybody's tired. Um, and we're, we're ready to wrap it up. It's when we were shooting the pinhead stuff. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it. Let's be honest, if they're watching this, they probably did see it. <laughs> so when filming up all night, what were some of the techniques utilized to make sure that it felt and looked like a Nightmare on Elm Street film? Can you repeat that? You cut out for a second. When filming up all night, what were some te- techniques utilized to make sure that it felt and looked like a Nightmare on Elm Street film? Well, the big thing is we had obviously Mick Strawn, who has all this production and design experience with the third and fourth one. And he is able to really come in there and kind of talk about lighting, the little lighting tricks they used. Uh-huh. Um, in the bedroom, you'll notice what kind of looks like water. All that was was a giant um, tub with broken with a broken mirror in it. And we were just bouncing the light off of that and just having uh, somebody shake the tub so it looked like... Um, you know, there was something dreamy going on with that. Uh, Dan Feldmeyer painted that uh, that creepy ro- heart rose looking thing in the background, and and Mick just designed it out there and worked with Jason to get uh, a really cool set design. And so, some of the techniques we aimed for was the color palette. I think the color palette was probably the most important because in Nightmare, you're, you're used to those reds and those blues and everything being in there, and you'll notice throughout the film those colors become apparent all over the place. Like at the end, you have Jason and Pinhead more more in the blue tones to kind of signify the end. Whereas when Freddy comes out, it's all the red. And at the beginning, it's all the, the green. Like you don't know what's really going on. So yeah, I think film tonality really sets the mood with great music. Um, Viden, uh, he did an amazing job with our music, especially that opening. Oh God. Right. Oh. He, he designed that from the ground up and it was like, yeah, <laughs> dude, that, that music uh, got me half mass, but can I, can I uh, do a little sidebar here and talk about the lighting on up all night? Uh, I'm sure. a fan of uh, Jallo films and, uh, this definitely had that feel, especially the ending scene with the, the kind of all the washed out red. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It, it just definitely sets that whole darker evil tone. As soon as Freddie starts to come to life, it's it, well, and that was a great editing, um, or a color grade decision Dustin made is, um, we go from the bathroom where you still kind of have those greens and it's still a little creepy and we carry that into the bedroom. And then, you know, right when, uh, Matt's character, Jonathan, realizes what's going on. That's when the whole world shifts. And, you know, we kind of give you a little doubt in the bathroom. Is he or is he Freddy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you find out it's her, that's when, that's when the red flies. <laughs> so when developing the story for Up All Night, you managed to merge three different horror universes in a very involuted way. What all went into making that story element come together? Well, when Matt, Shaw and I were talking about how we wanted to approach this, I was like, you know, we've got great assets on hand to make this just really kick ass. And I, I explained to Matt why I think it would work to bring Jason and Pinhead. I'm like, but my inspiration comes from the Savini Jason from the game, actually. And where... Savini Jason's got the claw marks, obviously, and the chains that he's wearing. I know a lot of people say, well, that, that's because he was held under the water and those are the chains he wears. I'm like, no, broke those damn things off. Now, <laughs> now I like to think of it as now he's bound because Pinhead, you know, pleasures of the flesh and the, the chains that would come out. Pinhead took control of Jason and sent him after Freddy, after Freddy um, killed one of Pinhead's little victims that was playing with the box. So... Yeah, that opens the door for so much because it could be as simple as playing with the Lamont configuration, then falling asleep. Right. (laughs) 
Exactly. That's, that's nuts. That's nuts. So, so now we have a real reason for a Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Instead of, instead of, could you just go around and kill people so they think it's me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much Pinhead using Jason as a physical manifestation of himself to cause harm in the real world. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. I think it's definitely ambitious and definitely uh, makes that ending stand out. Well, yeah. And th- that's why we kind of went with the vengeance, Jason, because yeah. that was the last film we did. And we really want to kind of homage that. And we, you know, we're trying to stay sequential in the way we tell a story. So when you see Jason stand at the window and his eyes come on fire and the lava, the lava marks start to play into effect, that's, that's when you're like, all right, now this is when the clothes go all black and the mask is going to go black. And so if we, if we do another one, you know, it's coming. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to zombies real quick. Yes. Uh, zombies. I love them. Recently you co-wrote a story with that British gentleman, Matt shot. Why am yes. I calling him a gentleman? Uh, fertility. Can you talk about that? What are you going to do with that? Well, um, I, I didn't really co-write it. I, I pitched him the idea. I, I gave him a, basically a synopsis of what I thought uh, the character would be. And he, it set him off and he, he crafted this just amazing story. And um, my intentions with that story are um, I would like to do a series on it. You know, a lot of filmmakers talk about doing series, but it's hard. It's hard, challenging work. But the beauty of doing a series is you can shoot a pilot. Yes. So I want to shoot a pilot. I, you know, I've taken the story idea out of people's hands that I thought I was going to work with before. So it's like, no, no, I'm done with that. And I loved working with Matt. And I'd kind of like to bring my my old Vengeance crew back and do something exciting with this. It's a story of a gal who's at the end of an apocalypse. And um, she's trying to become... Um, a mother per se, because um, this virus wiped out pretty much 98% of men, men that are alive are now used as, you know, um, toys, uh, things to impregnate. Um, so yeah, they're, they're like uh, cattle at this point <laughs> and they're in brothels and that kind of stuff. And women are the dominant species now. So, so she's, just trying to avoid all that, becoming this careless, hateful person. And it's just trying to meet somebody that can help her have a child. So she can have, create a new leader for the world kind of plays off a little bit of children of men, but, uh, more zombies. <laughs> ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of zombies, we'll go off script here for a while. What is your favorite single location horror film? Single location of a horror film? Mine's day of the dead. Uh, well, like a horror film that takes place in one location. It can oh. Yeah. Yes. Well, Day of the Dead's like, I would agree with right? you. Day of the Dead. That is such a, <laughs> because that just that whole trapped underground and the corrals that are in there and no one there's yes. there with you. And they, that was pretty terrifying. I, and how I dark it is all the time. Yeah. And just. Ugh. It's so unnerving. (laughs) And then when they do finally break in and there's nowhere to go except going right through the corral is like, oh, my God, I couldn't watch it as a kid. It's like, this is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) It's that whole like it's whenever they're in Night of the Living Dead, whenever they kind of like put themselves in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't be there. And then you're in the house and you're still kind of like stuck within the house. Right. It's uh, it's that whole horde aspect. And that's why I always like say that it's it's more important that zombies horde rather than run. Because yes. it's more scary. I agree. Because, I mean, you could smack a zombie around, but yeah. they start gathering up on you, you're going down. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's see what people are saying here. I haven't looked at anything. Yeah, uh, so Jaquint Broden, Q, wants to know, what is up with Ken Slate's picture in the men's bathroom wall? Oh, well, um, that was a little shout-out to Mr. Peter Anthony. He was... Uh, he was unable to make it out. He was actually supposed to fly out and be one of the bar patrons, but he wasn't able to come. So we thought we'd make fun of him and torture him instead and um, talk about, you know, he's he's a guy pretending to be a girl going into girls' bathrooms. He's But he's using the excuse he's transgender. 
So, yeah. The problem with that is you just said pretending. Yeah, it's yeah. true. No, you're right. He was born a woman. I'm sorry. There we go. Uh, Don, you said Peter versus Kane. Whom has the better beard? Wrong answer. I have the better beard. Okay. That is uh, correct. Yes. Uh, what else do we got here? I'm sure Q has a bunch of questions here. Were there copyright issues showing Pinhead's face? Um, well, it's a fan film, so we're not selling anything. We haven't made a dime. Every single bit of money that has been raised for by the fans for the film has been put into the film. Yeah, and we're pretty uh, we're pretty crazy about keeping the books on that. And Matt kept the books pretty pretty regularly. And um, if they come out and say, "Hey, you're trying to profit," we're like, "Here's the books. Nobody's profiting. <laughs> I promise you." <laughs> you you see the black hair? Yeah. No, 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 that's not black. That's red. Let me correct that. Yeah. Uh, somebody said something about the uh, little uh, flame graphics in Jason's eyes, if you want to comment about that. Um, that was Dustin Montierth. He uh, he actually used to do a lot of CGI work, and um, he worked on like some pretty big films, like um, The Last Witch Hunter with Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And um, I forget what it, uh, it was. An artist, The Forger. With uh, John Travolta, he he did some pretty crazy, awesome work CGI wise on that. So with um, Up All Night, he had maybe two days to get it all done. So considering uh, the rush that he had, he, he did a pretty great job with it. So uh, one another question uh, back to Vengeance, real quick. Uh, the one CGI shot that you guys do have, not really CGI, but more so uh, digital effect would be Bugsy's head. Did Dustin do that? Yeah, Dustin definitely did that. And uh, that was the one that we were kind of like just bummed out that, you know, he had to, we didn't want to make it digital, but it was the only way to really get that head slicing. Yeah. So we're just went with it. It's like, you know what? This will be our one green screen thing that we do. And yeah, so Dustin did the work on that one for sure. Uh, Don wants me to ask you is why ask Jeremy about Mick and his nickname Goose. Oh, well, it's kind of funny. Um, we were trying to shoot the Angelic on the porch scene when she's talking on the phone to um, the different characters. And um, I kept hearing this damn goose go off and I'm trying to get audio. I'm like, somebody shut that damn goose up. <laughs> so I went over there. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And Jason walks over there and then just changes his mind and walks back. And then all of a sudden Mick, just like this freaking Thomas, the tank comes running right through everybody and went and came out everybody. And it was hilarious because, <laughs> because we were all stressed out trying to get these shots done. Yeah. That kind of lightened the whole mood. And that's, that's what you need on set. Sometimes it's just a, a mood builder. <laughs> So since then, he went on to go and play the character Goose and up all night. Um, he's sitting there at the bar with Jason, and um, it seemed like a fitting uh, a fitting name to call him. Why was there so much cocaine in Up All Night? <laughs> well, I mean, you think about like um, most of the Nightmare films; they don't really use cocaine too much in True. in the films. And it never made sense to us. Well, why, why wouldn't you use like the drug that's made for exactly that speed, crack, cocaine. Um, so when Matt was running, he's like, yeah, cocaine, everybody has cocaine. So we, had to, <laughs> so we had to get like vitamin B12 or something. It's this powder that they use in Hollywood and poor uh, Rebecca, she had to, she had to snort that stuff up. And but Matt, Rick was doing Matt, lines on that fucking bar. Yeah, Washington's the hotspot for fucking coronavirus, and Mick Strong just fucking doing lines of vitamin B twelve on this fucking dirty ass bar. Like, <laughs> he wasn't actually snorting. He was. He was actually uh, just. Um, he was kind of blowing it away. Ah, uh, yeah. So, fuck that. Snort that shit. Quit being a pussy. <laughs> Man, the fuck up, bro. That's right. Oh hell. So no nudity and up all night. As adverse to vengeance. Yeah, some have titties, some don't. Yeah, um, Nightmare on Elm Street wasn't really known for nudity. I mean, exactly. you'd occasionally get a boob here and there, but for the most part, you didn't really see nudity, and we tried to stick to that vibe. Nudity does not define a film. Part six, no titties. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, nudity is just, um, well, it's internet. Just go type youporn.com and there you go. All the the internet back, nudity that's all you need. <laughs> so uh, is that it for vengeance questions? Oh, Jeremy, what's your favorite kill that you got to film? Yeah. Oh, what happened there? Jeremy disappeared completely. What the fuck? Uh, I wonder if, oh, there he is. Show, oh, and he's gone again. This is technical difficulty city, guys. Uh, there is Jeremy. It said this web page is using <laughs> significant memory. Closing it may improve the responsiveness of your Mac. Jeremy, neither of this should be, well, this should be happening to neither of us, seeing both of us have a reasonably powerful machine. Yes. <laughs> this makes no sense. <laughs> I, I'm just beside myself. Anyway, to answer your question, my favorite kill. Um, probably probably the uh when Jules jumped got body slammed onto the ground and Jason just smashed her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, it was a great stunt and um she Jules went all for it. She she got really slammed on the ground. So Imagine Jason Brooks picking you up off the ground and slamming you on the ground and then beating your ass with an axe handle. <laughs> so I don't know if this is still going. I, I haven't checked. It says we are. John messaged me and said, I lost the link, whatever the fuck that means. But anyway, uh, something I wanted to talk about is this show really kind of wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you. What? This podcast. Yeah, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Yeah, you literally came up with this. If you guys didn't know, Jeremy actually came up with the whole concept for the Power Hour. Yeah, um, I, I figured we'd talk a little bit about Vengeance because can I tell you a little bit about what we're doing this week? Yes, go for it. Well, uh, Peter Anthony is having a big trivia night where he's given an autograph, Kane Hodder. And Peter, you can tell him the Fangoria issue number because Peter spends a lot of time um, telling us about his fancy collection. And... Uh, but he's doing a trivia on Vengeance alone. So um, if you are not a member of the cast and crew of Vengeance and you want to get on there and you want to try your trivia, we're going to be actually hosting on the uh, F-13 Vengeance fan page. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be awesome. And what a prize. I mean, it, it's the Jason goes to hell one, I believe. Yes, I have that one over there. Yes. So, um, so, and, you know, Vengeance is over 1.2 million views combined right now. And we're pretty proud of that. So we're kind of celebrating. We're trying to get the fans involved with a little bit of celebration. You know, 1.2 is not an easy number to hit. I mean, unless you're like some kid beating yourself in the face with a rock on YouTube, then, you know, you'll get 18 million views because, because, because thinking is hard. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, for a film that we've all just been so passionate and in love with to finally be getting seen by people and people, I'm just, I can't tell you how many messages I'm getting daily on uh, YouTube because of this film. And it's just exciting. And then, you know, after the film, we're going to do a live commentary. Um, Jason, myself, Peter, we're going to sit there and talk about the production and everything. Well, Peter is going to moderate questions for us. So we're not sitting there having 8 million people like, what sausage do you like in your butthole? We don't have to worry about those questions. I mean, I think Peter's going to ask those questions either way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's going to be this Sunday at 8 p.m. Thanks, Peter, for helping out with that. And, um, and if you don't mind, I, I know we still got, what do we got, like 15 minutes? Yep. I want to just take a moment and say thanks to TJ uh, here for helping us out with as much as you have on Vengeance. I want to thank uh, Peter Anthony, who's worked his ass off tirelessly to promote and uh, hook the fans up with like cool prizes and do all this trivia lately for Friday the 13th. Um, Donald Schell, who gives and gives and gives to these fan films. He, he believes in what we're doing so much. And he, he brought us Joe Castro, you might remember one of the coolest kills in Vengeance, where uh, Jason gets his head ripped off. 
Well, Jason as Louie gets his head ripped off. <laughs> By Don Shell. <laughs> yeah. By Don Shell, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the people that we bring into this have been become good friends, compatriots. And I, of course, want to thank the biggest guy who made Vengeance even possible, um, Sean Lutzis, because at the beginning of the campaign, it looked like it was going to fizzle out. And it's Sean's belief in what we were doing with the film that this thing even happened. If it wasn't for Sean, I, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you. We There's no Friday the 13th Vengeance. So you want to thank anybody, like worship that man. Give yeah. that man a high five. Take a shower with him. You know, do the nice things. <laughs> uh, something that listeners don't know is that the entire idea concept for the TJ Bowser Power Hour came from your mind. Oh, well, I just, you know, I, I sat there and watched you be like the uh, second string quarterback to most of these talk show things. And I thought it'd be cool to let you actually showcase your talents in an hour and talk with some random ass people like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, what, look, at that. look, we're at episode four already. And I've had a hell of a start. I've had Trent Hogg, uh, Lisa Wilcox, me, Nick Benson and Amelia Kincaid. And now Jeremy fucking Brown. Damn, baby. What you do to your hair? What a lineup. I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very humble, especially the, the fact that I got to be a part of Vengeance. I mean, it kind of like it spawned all of this. And it kind of it's where I got my start. I mean, meeting Peter and Jules at uh, the convention in Jersey kind of spawned our friendship, spawned yeah. much my involvement and everything. And now kind of skyrocketed me into a different, let's say, uh, place than where I ever thought I was going to be, but hell, I'm fucking happier than all hell now. That's well, all you guys. Yeah, and don't let me forget Jules, because yeah. you know, without Jules, we don't have Steve Dash. We, you know, she was the one that made all these connections, and um, you know, she, she made a lot happen for us. She, she got us a lot of um, gear and stuff that we needed. Um, she covered, she paid for a lot of posters, a lot of t-shirts. She, she contributed in big ways, too. Like, uh, just just our marketing team was killer. Uh, marketing team. Uh, let's talk about that handsome fucking graphic designer you had. Oh, who? Who's Mr. That? Mustache? Corey Kaufman. That poster design. All the poster design. Who? Never heard of him. <laughs> some some might call him my husband because of how fucking attached we are to him. Uh, <laughs> no, Corey Kaufman is just unbelievably talented as a you know an illustrator. He. He can take any idea and just form it into reality. And it's it's awesome having somebody that creative that you can just hit with stuff. And all the props, most of the props, I should say, um, were Corey Kaufman's little playthings. Yeah. And Jason and Corey worked together famously to get them done on the posters. The, and now the DVD. Yeah. Could you have found a better person to do props for Vengeance other than Corey? Like, seriously. No. <laughs> like someone that's such a hardcore part six fan and that was that balls deep into that film uh, i i cannot believe he, how detailed he got everything from the book you know like um right down to the little lemon lime soda yeah yeah and like what this guy is just insane and like he's able to re recreate things that i didn't think were possible to recreate and that's amazing talent like and don't don't let me count on Jason with this prop making too, because those two combined with yep. their powers combined, they're Captain Planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, dude. Uh, it's just vengeance was like a like a culmination of like all the best of the best. It was uh, the League of Extraordinary uh, Horror Fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially, it, it was just it was a chance to hang out with a bunch of fellow nerds who love a Friday the 13th as much as I did. And because of our love, this thing got done. And because, because uh, we, we had a, a hell of a um, benefactor in Sean Lutzis who not only helped us get the damn film started, but he provided it. everything that you've seen on Friday the 13th vengeance was mostly shot on his property. Yeah. He provided housing for all our actors. He, he fed us. He, he gave us beer. 
Okay, the man gave the man gave me and my crew beer. Okay, so how do you not love a man who does all these wonderful things for you? And, I got um, Sean at the Vengeance premiere. Yes, yes. Which again, thank you, thank you, Peter Anthony, thank you, Jason Brooks, and thank you, Jeremy, for that. That was literally one of the coolest moments of my life. Uh, I never told it this to anybody before, but uh, on my way in, driving into Blairstown, I'm going to try to not get all fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> I went past something that I thought looked familiar, and it was the bridge. And I stopped, and I was like, this is happening. Like, this is, where, where am I? And then I saw the cemetery, and I was like, this is life. And then whenever I got into the theater and I went to sit down and Brooks was like, where are you going? You sit with us. I was so just blown away. <laughs> I still to this day, it's one of the best moments of my entire life. Well, I, I'm so glad you got to share that with yeah. all of us because that's what this has always been about, man, is bringing people together and making a great film, something we can all, you know, share a great moment with. Like you can look back on this and this is this is a thing that we all created. We fans made this. We said, screw you to the money hoarding assholes and said, look what we did. We yeah. did it because we because we love it. Because we care about this. True fans. Product. Real fans. That aren't just there to ha ah, look at my dick, it's bigger than yours. Fans that actually care about these films. And uh James share. Don't forget Splat Hargraves for the hockey mask. Yes. Hey, thanks, Splat Hargraves. I actually don't own one of his. I own an Asher Brooks number three. Ah. Yes. That was my gift for inter- for the first Vengeance interview I did. I don't even know if he sells them anymore. I haven't talked to him in some time. Right, me either. But, um, you know, yeah. honestly, just if it wasn't for the fans backing, yep. for the fans helping, for the fans shooting, for everything – this wouldn't have been a reality. And so, you know, calling us out and saying, hey, you guys are awesome. It, it ain't about us. It's all of us. All of us are awesome. <laughs> we all did this. So, so Jeremy, what are yeah. some films that you're looking forward to in the future? Um, I'm really excited about doing Fertility. And there's a little one I have hidden on the plate, but I, I might announce it soon. It's a little... uh erotic thriller <laughs> it, it doesn't have anything to do with that uh, matt does it no god no <laughs> i said erotic not halfway through what is that it gets to be erotic and then he pulls out a fucking knife halfway through is that like a matt shaw thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah like peter is saying you know that's the one thing i hated about all the uh you know screw this fan film or screw this yeah. fan film is like you guys got the message all wrong. It's this is not what we're, we're not supposed to be divided. Like like my film more. Like my film. Unity more. and community. Yeah, unity and community. That's what Friday the Thirteenth's always been until you know you start getting egos involved, and that's that's where the problem comes. Like who cares who did what better? At the end of the day, we're all just fans making fan films. We're not we're not Hollywood executives making big decisions. Let's just have fun with what we're doing. I mean, if if you were mad about your box office numbers, God, wait till you make a fan film. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and yeah, that's the problem. And you know, some some people are, might be so hesitant to go out there and make films, yeah. but it's so easy. Take, okay, this 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 is more powerful than ever, and you can go out in your yard and you can film a fucking short right now. Absolutely, and and it could be. It could be a great one. The biggest thing you have to do when you sit down and you want to make a film is have a great story. Yes. Camera, microphone, whatever, throw it together. But if you have a great story to tell, get out there and do it. Yep. People sit there and say, oh, I've got this great story idea. Well, you got a camera. Go out and shoot it. Exactly. You don't have to have all this fancy stuff. And by having that fancy stuff, does it make what you make good? It Passion, love, and effort. That's what makes your films good. And Absolutely. don't let anything stop you from making your films. Because like Jeremy just said, all it takes is a good story. Yeah. It's all good. And having passion for that story. Yes. You know, we've had some pretty solid uh, viewership. Uh, why, why does Jeremy continue to tell Peter he is from Jersey Shore? <laughs> well, Peter, because you tend to look like someone from said Jersey Shore. 
Um, I think younger Peter Anthony looks like he was Jersey Shore. You know what? You're right. Because there was a lot of bro dudes that he hung out with, and that, there was lots of flexing and lots of bikini chicks. I mean, it, it was like a, a scene right out of Jersey Shore. Bro, you see my traps? No, bro, look at my traps. They're fucking huge, bro. <laughs> and, you know, I, I have an opinion that, you know, trap music was actually invented in Jersey Shore. <laughs> because you look like Snooki's twin, Dodge. <laughs> Don with the sick burn. Only in an intelligence level. Oh, boom. Oh. Uh. <laughs> you know, we would never say any of this to his face. No, because, <laughs> you know what? We would be huge pussies. Peter yes. is a large man. Uh, <laughs> okay, Peter says, uh, laugh my ass off. It's all fun and games. See, so yeah, I, I can do a fairly decent Peter. He's like, you know, you guys keep talking crap, but I'll freaking kill you. I'll <laughs> yeah, murder you. You're really slow, and then you got to get really loud real quick, and then you got to go back to slow. <laughs> it's the waves of intensity. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we love Peter. Yes, we, we all love Peter. We love all of our friends, and uh, we love all of our listeners out there for the TJ Bowser Power Hour. And supporters of the Dubak Discussion Network. Also, if you guys watch Friday the 13th Vengeance, pay attention to the laptop scene and suss the old Dubak website out. Uh, we're in the bottom right corner, I think. No. Yeah. And you can hear the sexy voice on the laptop. And no. on the TV. Uh, but thanks. That's all. Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. You bet, man. <laughs> yes. But thank you, guys. For uh, joining us on an episode of the TJ Bowser Power Hour. Jeremy, thank you for joining us on this technical difficulty field episode. Yes, yes. Between our two computers, let's get her done. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy. We can oh. fucking edit for days, but we can't fucking do a live stream. It's <laughs> Do a Jason Brooks impression. Oh, oh. Jesus. Um, hey, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> karaoke uh you want to let this uh podcast end with a little bit of a motorhead karaoke for us i mean i could play the music for you i mean time to play the game (laughs) game. (laughs) there we go well thank you guys i'll play the intro now (laughs) oh heavens See you guys.